Hey there, it's Rob Carbone. You're listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees analysis than by tuning into this podcast right here, right now. Let's go. What's up, guys? Rob Carbone coming at you with episode 37 of, um, of BD4. No better way. Um, it's about, well, it's past midnight, so it's technically Saturday morning on the 26th of October. But um, a couple hours ago, just uh, just finished up watching the Knicks' second game of the year. Um, well, they took another loss. <laughs> They're 0-2. Typical Nick fashion. But, um... Yeah, so this will be the first Knicks podcast, mainly Knicks podcast, really, that we'll be doing. Um, we're going to be doing these just like we did to the uh, with the Yankees. Uh, we're going to have you know probably a couple times a week. Um, so the, the schedule for these podcasts, though, they will be after every two Nick games. So I'll have an episode about the Knicks after every two games. Um, so it'll be mainly Knicks, um, if not all Knicks, but. You know, towards the end, I might sprinkle some Yankees in there. You know, all depending on, uh, depending on what they do this upcoming off season, um, and you know what happens and such. But yeah, it'll be mostly Knicks from here on out, guys. From here on the blog too, you'll be hearing from me on the blog, um, just talking mainly Knicks uh, until the regular season starts again in the MLB, and uh, that's obviously a far, a far time from now. But yeah, so the Knicks are going to. All right, <laughs> we're gonna jump right into the Knicks. Uh, they're 0 and 2. Uh, the positive, uh, listen, I like how they're playing. You know, I like the effort is there. Um, you know, they're they're they played two really tough teams, right? They opened up in San Antonio in San Antonio against one of the tougher home teams, you know, of all time. Really, the San Antonio Spurs are just dominant at home, and they gave them a good competition for the most part, right? The Knicks played tough against the Spurs. Um, the defense really. I know you look at the 120 points um, in Game 1 that they allowed and say, you could easily say, oh, the defense was terrible, right? It actually, it was pretty good. It was pretty good because there were stretches where, like, to the end of the game, the Knicks allowed the Spurs to go on an embarrassing 18 nothing run. So that was, you know, before that, though, up to that, they played three quarters of really strong uh, defensive basketball. I like I like the effort they gave. I did like the energy out there. I thought they played well defensively. Um, and, you know, in game two against the Nets, the defense was it took a step back. Um, uh, we saw moments, but it definitely took a step back in game two against the Nets. Um, they could not stop, you know, Kyrie Irving especially. They could not stop the dribble penetration, right? The Nets got everything they wanted off the bounce tonight. They, you know, they attacked the rim. They got to the free throw line. Um, Kyrie Irving and Spencer Dinwiddie um, got to the line a combined 18 times tonight. Um, those two alone. So that was a problem. They couldn't stop the dribble penetration. And another problem tonight was the three-point shot. The Knicks made 17. That was great, right? They were 17 out of 25, which was ridiculous and uncharacteristic. But the problem was they allowed 16 on the other end. And these were three-pointers that should not have been going in. The Knicks just could not close out properly, just as they always do. That's their biggest issue. They can never uh, close out on the three-point line. Um, and, you know, both of these games, offensively, they just looked pretty stagnant, pretty lost out there. And it comes down to one, a couple of things. It comes down to they're, uh, they're not having a point guard, for, for fuck's sake. 
I mean, how do you not have a point guard here in an NBA team? He had all offseason to figure something out, and you still don't have a legit point guard. We're playing this game with Alfred Payton, which he did fine the first game. Second game, he, you know, eh. Um, and then we're doing this thing with Dennis Smith Jr. We're playing him five minutes each game, and he's not. I don't think he's made a freaking field goal all, uh, to start the season yet. I mean, he's been awful. He's been pathetic. He's getting burnt on the other end, and his offensive game is just horseshit. He can't make a jump shot. Um, all he can do is slash to the rim, and he hasn't done that yet because he, he just he looks like shit. He looks like a bust, and honestly, it sucks because I was such a big Dennis Smith Jr. fan. Um, not even last year, but two years ago when he got drafted, or what is it, three years ago, whenever that was, when he got drafted, I was so high on the kid, and, you know, that was the guy everybody wanted instead of Frank, but speaking of Frank, the Knicks aren't even giving this guy a minute. They gave him three minutes in the third quarter on uh, Wednesday night to open up the season, and he had a, you know, he had a rough stretch, turned it over a couple times, and, you know, uh, I think they took him out right after that, and they haven't given this guy a legit shot yet, and honestly... You guys know I'm not a big Frank Nielakina fan, right? I'm not a big fan of, of point guards who are drafted in the lottery and can't give you any kind of offense, right? If you're going to be a lotto pick, you better be worth a lotto pick. You better be able to score the basketball somewhat. And so far, Frank Nielakina, he's a 30% freaking shooter from the field. He's not an offensive player. But listen, listen. With Smith Jr. looking like absolute shit, and with Elbert Payton pretty much peaked out already, you got to give Frank a chance because he's probably the best out of the three. And what you saw from Frank in the preseason was probably still better than what you saw from Peyton, what you saw from Smith Jr. in the preseason. You know, Frank is a guy who moves the ball around, and Frank is a guy who defends well. The Knicks are a team that need ball movement and need better defenders. Give the guy a goddamn shot. I don't know what David Fizdale's thinking. I don't know why he has an agenda that seems like it's always against Frank. But, you know, it was all of last year, and now we're starting to see it again this year. I don't know what the issue is, but I can guarantee you, you put Frank in, you, can't, you won't get a worse result than what you're getting right now from Nick Point Guards. You won't. I think he's a positive impact player when he's on. Listen, I'm not, again, I'm not the biggest Frank fan. So if you're hearing me say this, maybe it, you know, maybe it speaks some volumes here. Just put the guy in. Give him a shot. You're a rebuilding team. What the hell you got to lose? You're 0-2. Let's go. Try something new. Mix it up and start getting a couple of wins. The Knicks need a point guard. They don't have a point guard. Try something and put Frank in there. It's not that hard. It's pretty simple, actually. Their offense just looks terrible. I mean, the guys are just going ISO. Marcus Morris. This guy, all he does in the crunch time, listen, I like his scoring ability, but in crunch time, he's taking terrible step-back jumpers. They're not going in. Uh, he's, he's taking bad shots. Uh, who else is doing that? Julius Randle tonight was a friggin' nightmare. How about that goddamn turnover? And this guy, they're leaving him open for wide-open jumpers, the Nets. We're leaving him open tonight because they know his jumper is whack at times. And he was missing wide-open shots. Uh, they're terrible down the down the stretch. And I don't know why Fizdale, you know, didn't... He, he His play calling is horseshit. Like I said, it's isolation, no player movement either. And, you know, they return the ball over or they chuck up a last-second heave. It's ridiculous. They don't run plays. The Knicks don't run sets. They don't run sets. They don't. Do, they dribble the ball up court, and it's free-for-all. It's every man do what they want to do and see what we can get out of it. I'm not even shitting you. I'm not even exaggerating that is what they do. And that's not going to work. That's not how you rebuild a basketball team. That's not how you develop young young kids. For shit's sake, I almost said young stars. <laughs> no. 
That's not how you develop young players. You don't just throw them out there and you know do some bullshit free for all. You have to you have to have a plan, a plan of action, some type of offensive scheme. There's nothing. There is nothing. It's isolation. It's post up, chuck up a shot, or it's just uh, shoot a random three pointer. God, it's pathetic. And I'm sorry, tonight's game, you know, is is as great as that comeback was, that fake comeback down the stretch in the second half, it was led by Alonzo Trier going into isolation again because that's all the Knicks know how to do. I'm not hating on Trier, but rather hating on everybody else because they also isolate. Trier's at least good at it. He's an efficient player. But, you know, we need some other guys chipping in and moving the ball around. It can't just be Alonzo Trier going in isolation. It can't just be this guy going in isolation. That guy go- we got to move the damn ball around. I'm sick and tired of it. Um, if there are some positives, um, I really loved what I saw from Mitchell Robinson tonight. He didn't play in the opener because of the injury, and maybe that was the reason why the Knicks shied away from him down the stretch and limited him to just 17 minutes. But, I mean, if you're going to play, you should play. Right? If you guys healthy, let him play. But, but we'll, we'll put that aside. I, I liked what I saw from him. Um, only one block, but he got the block. He got a block. Uh, but four steals, seven rebounds, and you know six points. He was Mitchell Robinson. This is a guy who I think if he can stay out of foul trouble, he hit five tonight, and you know that's that's his big concern. He, he fouls a ton, and he cannot. He's reckless out there at times. Um, it's, you know, he I think per per thirty six minutes last year, he averaged like five point six fouls. I think that was the number. It's really bad. It's concerning too, because he has not shown a single. Uh, he has not shown improvement in that area ever since he debuted last year. That's his big issue. But that aside, um, if he can find a way to consistently stay on the floor, you know, for maybe thirty plus minutes a game, I think Mitchell Robinson is a, a serious double double threat. I do. I really do. And I think he's a. Also, he could be a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. This is a guy who I see, you know, um, giving you somewhere between eight, nine, ten points and nine, ten rebounds, and he'll he'll give you a bunch of blocks too. Obviously, he, he's a rim protector. Uh, he's a high, uh, high, highly efficient uh, scorer because he can get all those alley oop dunks. He throws down the lobs with ease. When you throw it up to him, it's going down. Um, he's great on the offensive glass. He's going to be a great, great defensive player, and he's going to bring defense back to the Garden, which is what we've been waiting for forever, right? The Mitchell Robinson is one guy. He's the one guy on this team that I'm not concerned about when it comes to reaching his ceiling. I think he could definitely reach his ceiling. Now, again, he has his big flaws, the foul troubles, but I do think Mitch is a legit uh, player. Another positive, uh, these two games have been such great games from... Rookie R.J. Barrett, 19-year-old R.J. Barrett. You know, when the draft came, everybody wanted Zion Williamson, um, even me. You know, if we were going to do that tank and shit last year, we better have gotten Zion, right? That's what I was saying. But, listen, that's that's gone. We got R.J., and R.J.'s looking, uh, he's looking so good out there. And, you know, it's not even the scoring. He scored 21 uh, on Wednesday, and he scored 16 tonight, right? He's added in some assists. He's been rebounding well. It's not even that though. He's even shooting the ball well. He's he's you know he's he's not really a great shooter, but so far he's shown a respectable jumper. Uh, but it's not even the scoring. 
That's impressed me. I I, I knew this guy could score, right? His body control, his poise, his just easy way. He can easily get to the rim. It just looks so easy for him. I knew that would be a part of his game. What's impressed me, guys, is RJ's defense. He, he's been playing damn good defense out there. Um, now, I don't know if it's just two games and I'm looking too much into it, but you know he had six steals tonight. Game one, he looked great out there. He's a guy who could be a serious um, two-way threat if he can keep his defensive play up. I like his size, too, could help him. Because he has size, but he has a little bit of quickness in him, too, which could help him defend both the perimeter and on the inside. I mean, he, he's, he look, he's looking like a real solid pick, man. This is a kid who I think has all-star potential as well. Now, of course, like I said, it's two games. I cannot look too much into it, and neither should you. But so far, so good for RJ. I like what I'm seeing from this kid. I, I, I see a lot of people comparing him to this and that. One of the guys I like to compare him to, and I mean this in a good way, not a bad way, is uh, James Harden. You know, a slasher who can do a little bit of passing and rebounding and, you know, might need some work on the defensive end. But so far, we've we've seen good defense. But, yeah, I, I do. You know, lefty shot, right? I, I do see a little bit of Harden in him. Um, but, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not jumping to conclusions. But I do, I like his game, and I think he's going to be a, a pretty good piece to this team. And maybe we have we have ourselves a, a franchise cornerstone again. <laughs> um. But that's that's pretty much that, right? RJ's look good. Mitch looked good. Um, who else has been playing? It was a good bounce back for Trier. We'll talk about him. Um, yeah. It'd be nice to get Damian Dotson in here sometime. He's got two DNPs so far. I get that Wayne Ellington, you know, he hit, he hit some big shots tonight. I'll give him credit. And I think Ellington, after his big night tonight, he definitely deserves uh, another look tomorrow against Boston, but, um, no, I know, I get that he's been playing over him, but I would like to see Doc get some minutes, right, this is a younger guy, who's another 3 and D player, so it'd be nice to get him some minutes off the bench, he would have also helped his perimeter shooting tonight, um, speaking of perimeter shooting, Kevin Knox is another player, I liked what I saw from him tonight, and, and the other night, you know, he was looking good, uh, from the three-point line, especially so far. You know, tonight I think he was four for four. Uh, the other night he hit a pair as well. He's looking really sharp out there. One thing I've noticed with his jumper this year, I don't know if it's me or it's actually happening, but it kind of looks like his jumper, well, the arc to his shot is a lot higher. Looks like he's shooting the ball a lot higher, which it, it, it's working. It's working obviously. Um, you know, last year he had struggles with his shooting. You know, he shot under forty percent. And he shot under 35% from three, so he was very inefficient out there. Part of that was shot selection, but you know, also some parts of it were just he was rushing his jumper. And this year, it looks like he's in much more control of everything, and he has a much smoother release. And the mechanics look more consistent out there with Kevin Knox. Um, still looks a little shaky out there defensively. You know, he got roasted a couple times tonight. Last, uh, I'm sorry, and on Wednesday too, he did not look great. Um, rebounding, we have yet to see. We'll see what happens rebounding. He's still kind of one-dimensional. You know, just has a little bit of a shot, and that's about it right now. But we have to see how it goes. It's so early. You know, it's so hard to tell. But I do like what I'm seeing from Kevin Knox. Um, and, yeah, that's pretty much it. But, you know, the Knicks got to get it going. I would like to see some wins here. I really so badly wanted to beat the Nets tonight. You know, Kyrie hitting that dagger late in the game, that step-back three. Oh, man, it just felt like... Ah, that, that killed all the momentum because the Knicks made that fake little comeback. And, you know, 
the, the few teams that I really want to see the Knicks beat, the Nets are one of them. And tomorrow they got the Celtics. That's another one. I want to beat the Nets. I want to beat the Celtics. And I would like for them to uh, beat the Lakers. Frank Nielakina hit a big shot in LeBron's face. That's something I want. <laughs> but those are really three teams I would love to beat. And you know, they didn't get the job done tonight against the Nets. Hopefully tomorrow they can rebound and beat the shit out of the Celtics. The, uh, the only problem with that is Cantor will not be playing. I really wanted Cantor to play so the Knicks fans could boo him when he steps out on that garden floor. Gosh, that would be amazing. But, um, actually, I don't know if they would boo him. I would, but maybe they'd cheer for him because they're all sheep. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. Just gotta We just got to look better out there, man. Defense is, you know, inconsistent. The offense just looks so stagnant. There's no plan of action like I said. No ball movement. No player movement. Nobody wants to cut. Lazy screens. Lazy passes. It's just a joke. That's the one thing I want to see improve. I do like the effort defensively. They're just maybe not good defensively. But, you know, really my main thing is just get a point guard out there. Have a plan of action. And, you know, start playing with a goddamn purpose. Some of these guys just don't know how to play. I don't know how to explain it, dude. I'm not a Fizdo guy. I mean, I used to be such a Fizdo guy. Hell, even in the offseason, I was a little bit of a Fizdo guy. But, you know, as, as I'm starting to learn a little bit more about the basketball, and I'm starting to see David Fizdo just have no plan out there for his team. I don't know, man. I just, he says all these things, but he doesn't walk the talk. He talks it, but he doesn't walk it. You know, when you're going to preach ball movement, you're going to preach defensive play, then show it, man. Show it. I don't know. Go win the goddamn game tomorrow, man. That's all I ask. Just win some games. And like I've told you guys all along, I want the Knicks to aim for 35, 30 wins, somewhere in between that. Can you double your win total from last year? Right? You're not tanking anymore. So let's let's actually try to win some games. Let's put in a 100% effort, a 101% effort, and um, let's go win some games, please. You're 0-2. Let's get off to a better start. Because if you want to aim for that, if you want, if they want to reach that 30, 35 win goal. That I want them to, then they're gonna have to get off to a hot start. That's one of the big parts of you know of winning. Got to get off to a good a good start here in uh, October. So win tomorrow, take it from there, and we'll see where we go. So <laughs> that's all I got. Maybe this one was a little bit of a ramble. First Knicks podcast episode, so maybe it's not that great. But that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I will be back in the blog tomorrow on it's my opinion recapping the Celtics game and. You know, I'll see you in two games for the uh, for another episode of BD4. All right, guys, thanks a lot. Ciao.